Bibles to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Hear now God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us this morning. Scott Sauls, in his book, Befriend, tells of a prayer meeting that he attended one time a small gathering of people from the church, and in walked a couple that he had never met before, and he quickly realized that the man was drunk. And the prayer meeting began, and, and the wife was appalled, and she, was, she had this, please somebody help me look in her face, but the prayer started, and this man proceeded to pray a 10-minute rambling prayer, asking for protection from the Klingons, and saying, Lord, I would really like a Jolly Rancher. Can you bring us some Jolly Ranchers? And prayed for all kinds of strange things. Well, everybody was, of course, worried about this. What do you do in a situation like this? Well, one of the ladies, after the meeting was over, uh, offered the man a cookie and started talking to him about the Klingons and other things that he was rambling on about, while the rest of the group took the wife into the kitchen and asked how they could help. There wasn't a spirit of judgment going on. They really reached out to this man. His his name was Matthew. And uh, they ended up helping Matthew, who had two young boys, uh, he and his wife, helping him get into rehab. A month later, he was sober. He eventually became a believer and an elder in the church. It's a beautiful story. Well, today we have a similar story of a man named Matthew, uh, except he's called Levi here. This is his other name. And uh, we see his conversion. He was a tax collector. Well, there are three things I want you to see from this passage today. First, the wonder of Jesus' grace. Then I want you to see the faith of Levi's response. And then finally, the ugliness of religious grumbling. Well, so the last few weeks we have studied the wonders of Jesus' power and authority as he worked several miracles. He brought about the large catch of fish there at the beginning of chapter 5. He cast out demons. He healed a leper and a paralytic. Well, today we move from the wonders of his power to the wonders of his grace. Now, we've already seen Jesus call to himself men from the working class to be his followers. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were not wealthy or highly educated men, but they seemed to be good, honest, hard-working fishermen. 
Well, today, as we come to the calling of Levi, or Matthew, as he is more commonly called, uh, Levi was in a few ways very much opposite those other disciples, those honest working-class fishermen. Well, Levi was a man of ill repute, for he was a tax collector. Tax collectors were disreputable people, and for good reason, because they were notoriously dishonest. This occupation of a, as a tax collector was something you bought. You paid to have that position, and uh, you collected taxes and tolls and what have you. And you also paid yourself out of the funds that you got. So tax collectors often overcharged, got more than their fair share to fill their own pockets. Now because of this, Levi, unlike the other disciples, was probably a wealthy man. We at least know that he was able to throw Jesus a great feast and, and, and fill his home with, uh, with, with his friends. Well, tax collectors, these, this wealthy, notorious group of people, they were also considered traitors to Israel because they, of course, were working for the hated, occupying Roman government. So needless to say, they weren't very popular people. Everyone looked down on these people. They were social outcasts. And they were also excluded from the religious life of Israel. They were not allowed to be in the synagogues or the temple. And Jesus himself makes an interesting statement about tax collectors in Matthew 5. And it, and it illustrates the prevailing attitude that people had towards tax collectors. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. You see what Jesus did there? When he wants to conjure up the worst of humanity and say even, even the worst people, even the worst people love their friends, well, he uses the, the occupation of tax collector. They were considered the worst of humanity. Dishonest, disloyal shysters. That's what tax collectors were. But Jesus associates with these social pariahs. He eats with them and befriends them. Now eating was a special event in the ancient Near East which expressed friendship and acceptance similar to what we have today, except you know, we can all go to a restaurant and sit around a room with, filled with people we don't know and we're not really fellowshipping with them. But when we invite someone into our home and, and sit down and have a meal with them, then we are. We're doing the very same thing that Jesus is doing. We're, we're befriending and accepting others. And not only does Jesus befriend these outcasts and he eats with them and fellowships with them, but he invites Levi, this tax collector, to become one of his closest followers. The fact that Jesus would call a tax collector to follow him was absolutely amazing to the people in Capernaum, which is where he was. And even to the disciples, it was a source of amazement. And it was surely a symbol that the gospel is open to all people. 
Well, Jesus does comment on this quite a bit in the scriptures. And we see more than one example of Jesus reaching out to so-called sinners. We see him dealing with prostitutes and other social outcasts. And he tells parables about the wedding feast, uh, the, the, the great supper of the Lamb, where people are invited, all the people are invited, but many refuse to come. And then he says at the end, after he's invited everybody, they've sent messengers out, come to the feast, come to the feast. Well, then there's still room. He says, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Everyone is welcomed. Everyone is welcomed to eat with Jesus. And that's what it's going to be like in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus makes the point here in, this, in his comments to the Pharisees. It's interesting, the Pharisees, they grumble to the disciples. They don't grumble to Jesus face to face. They, they complain to the disciples, but Jesus answers them. He, he knows their complaint. And he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Sinners are welcomed by Jesus. Now Luke was writing to a Gentile audience who, of course, would have been considered more on the outside. And, and, and time and again, as we'll see pressing forward in the book of Luke, Luke tells these accounts where Jesus reached out to the social outcasts of his day. Many stories like that. The poor, those who would be considered rejected by the religious establishment. But Jesus welcomes them. Luke wants to reassure his Gentile audience that they're welcomed by Jesus, no matter how sinful they've been. And that's true for us today as well. It doesn't matter how bad a sinner you have been or even you are now. Jesus came to rescue people in your position. You simply need to recognize that you are a sinner and Jesus can rescue you from your sin. I have come to call the righteous, not, not to call the righteous, not to call those who think they've got it all together, not to call those who have no need of a Savior, but to call those who need a Savior. I've come to be the Savior. I've come to lay down my life and pay the penalty for sin. That's why he came. That's why he welcomes sinners. It's his whole purpose. So it doesn't matter how bad you've been. Jesus came to rescue people like you, sinners like you, like me. And never think that the Lord does not want you because of the wicked things you have done. Some people think, well, I've been so bad, I've done so many things wrong, and my life is, is a, a mess because of my own sin. Can, will the Lord receive me? Yes. Yes. You're precisely the person with whom Jesus wants to have a relationship. Precisely the person that Jesus wants to sit down and eat a meal with. As the song says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Jesus came to save wretches, sinners, like we all are. 
Now, this is good news for sinners such as we are. How do we respond to this good news? What should be our response to this understanding that Jesus came for sinners such as we? Well, we need to respond like Levi did. It tells us here that uh, Jesus went and he saw Levi there at the tax booth, and he says, follow me. And verse 28, leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And then Levi makes this great feast. So really two things we see here. Uh, Levi had certainly encountered Jesus before. Perhaps he had heard Jesus preaching out in the open air. Uh, maybe Levi was nearby a body of water, which Jesus often uh, was at the seashore uh, preaching. But he had certainly had heard Jesus before and maybe had heard about Jesus before. But Luke tells us, he doesn't give us all that background, he just tells us of the crucial encounter when Jesus says, follow me. And Levi leaves everything and follows him. And this shows repentance, and that's the first thing, that's the first response we have, repentance. Jesus came uh, to, to, uh, to, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And that's exactly what he does. Repentance is the... In the Greek term, repentance means a, a change of mind. And in the Hebrew, uh, the Old Testament word for it means a change of action. So they're really both true. It's a change of mind, a change of action. True biblical repentance is turning away from sin as well as turning to the Lord. So that's repentance and faith. And that's exactly what Levi does. He leaves that old life behind. And he turns and he follows Jesus. He left behind his dishonest business. And once he left that post, he was not going to be able to go back. The authorities who had given him that, that position, uh, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't receive him back. He forfeited the position by walking away. Peter, Andrew, James, and John could all go back to fishing. In fact, they did on occasion go back to fishing. But Levi could not go back to tax collecting once he left. Of course, fishing's not a sin. Tax collecting did involve sinful practices. And Levi left it all to follow Jesus. He left it behind. That whole life he left behind. Now, if you see yourself as a sinner today, Jesus calls you to leave behind those sinful ways and follow him like Levi did. Levi had devoted his whole life to the tax booth. Now he devoted his whole life to Jesus. What would that look like for you? What would that look like for you to leave everything and follow Jesus? We are called to leave behind our sin and devote our lives to Jesus, just like Matthew, just like Levi. Now perhaps there are some here who have who have never risen up and followed Jesus as Levi did? Have you ever made that conscious decision to turn from sin to your own way to the Savior? Have you ever consciously did that? If not, Jesus is a Savior. If you recognize your need, if you recognize that you're one of these sinners, leave that life behind and follow Jesus. 
He's the Savior of sinners. He came to cleanse sinners and renew sinners, to free you from the guilt of sin, from the power of sin, and one day from the presence of sin. Or perhaps you are a follower of Jesus today, but you've slipped into sinful ways. Again, Jesus welcomes sinners, even the religious ones. Perhaps you need to renew your commitment to follow Jesus. Perhaps there are some sins you need to leave behind. And I'm sure that's true of all of us. The Reformation began when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Church. It was a public bulletin board, the the church doors, where all the notices were. And Luther put up these points of debate. He was looking for uh, a discussion on these matters. And I wonder how many of us have read uh, these 95 theses. I'll read three of them for you, the first three. Number one, Luther says, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. All of life is repentance. Two, this word cannot be understood as referring to the sacrament of penance, that is, confession and satisfaction as administered by the clergy. Three, yet it does not mean solely inner repentance. Such inner repentance is worthless unless it produces various outward mortification of the flesh, putting sin to death. That's what it means. Your repentance needs to be seen. We see it in Levi. He he turned away from sin, and and there was tangible evidence of him turning away from sin and following Jesus. He left it behind. He walked away. So even as followers of Jesus, there are always sins for us to leave behind. Always we are required to repent. And Jesus will gladly grant you forgiveness. So Levi... Repentance and faith. He demonstrates that there, but he also shows great gratitude and, uh, uh, and uh, an evangelistic zeal because he brings all of his friends, uh, uh, invites all of his friends over to the house to meet Jesus. He showed his joy and gratitude by hosting this big feast. He wanted to share what he had gained. Here's a man who had made a career out of taking from others. And you see how his life has changed. Now he wants to give to others. He wants to give Jesus to others. His heart has completely changed. He's been transformed. He's a a new creation in Christ, as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5. The question for us today is, do, do you know the joy of that forgiveness? Do you have gratitude in your heart for the grace that you have received? Have you received that grace and forgiveness? If so, then share it with others. We really shouldn't have to say that, should we? I mean, if we really had joy in our hearts and and were thrilled with the good news of salvation in Christ, it'd be like any other good news that we had. If we have good news, we, we automatically talk about it. The Atlanta Braves were on an eight-game win streak. 
We talk about it with one another. We say, hey, have you been watching the Braves? They lost last night, sadly. I mean, those are trite things that we will talk about and are interested in and want to share with other people and want to discuss with other people. There's nothing greater than the salvation that we have in Christ, that, that your sins can be forgiven. That's the, there's nothing greater than that. Why don't we share it with others? Well, Levi did. He wanted to introduce his friends to Jesus, and he did. And what about us? Or, or are we like the Pharisees and the scribes? I fear that often we are more like the Pharisees than Levi. And that brings me to the third thing, the ugliness of religious grumbling. Verse 30 says, The Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The word grumbling, or it means murmuring and complaining. They took offense at Jesus and what he was doing there. Pharisees grumble when outcasts come to church. Bob Utley in his commentary says this, John the Baptist had come earlier as an ascetic and the Jewish leaders had rejected him. Now they rejected Jesus who came as a more social person. They even accused Jesus of being a wine-bibber, which means a glutton or one who overdrinks. Quite often, religious conservatism has an ugly and self-righteous side. The book of James is very pointed about this. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? If you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. We tend to gather in groups that look like, look like us. And when someone from the outside that's not like us comes in, too often we see, and I've seen it in church many a time, people looking down on someone who is of a different ethnicity, someone who is of a different socioeconomic level, someone who is of a different political party, and those people are shunned or ignored. That's not right. Jesus condemned it. If we behave that way, we show we're not like Christ at all. For children of God, we ought to bear the family resemblance. And Christ received sinners. He welcomed them into his friendship circle, into his closest followers. Levi became one of the twelve. Levi, Matthew, wrote one of the Gospels. Jesus welcomed him in, even though the rest of society hated him and didn't want to have anything to do with him. Jesus transformed him. How do you feel about 
people who are different than you coming to your church. Jesus said this, Matthew 8, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And when it says they come from east and west, it means they're not one of us. They're not from around here. They're foreigners. They're people from elsewhere. They're not like us. And Jesus says they're all going to be coming in from the east and from the west, and they're going to be sitting down at the table, people who are different from you. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness... In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the insiders, people like the Pharisees, the religious establishment, they're rejected. But these people from wherever else, they're being welcomed in. Who's welcomed in? Those who see themselves as sinners in need of a Savior. They're welcomed in. If that's you today, come on in. Be a part. You're welcomed. And if you're a hard-hearted Pharisee, you repent too. Repent of that sin, and Jesus will receive you. He received Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of these people. He was a Pharisee, and he became a follower of Jesus Christ. He was one of the religious establishment. So it can happen for self-righteous conservatives as well as others, anybody, whoever will, will come. But repentance is the order of the day and trust in a Savior who receives sinners. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do receive sinners. Lord, we all are sinners, and we tend to be either too ashamed to come into your presence or too self-righteous to think we need to. And Lord, we pray that you would forgive us and cleanse us. We pray that like like Matthew, like Levi, we would be renewed and changed and transformed, that the good news of of Jesus Christ would would once again be precious to us and exciting to us, that we we would want to share it with others, with anybody, whoever. Lord, we pray that we would have the same kind of compassion and grace and mercy towards others as you have extended towards us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.